Happy 714. <laughs> okay, um, what we're doing is we're having 35 days of concentrated prayer. We're calling it the 714 Challenge. We have uh, some bracelets out there to keep you reminded. We have some t-shirts we would like for you to purchase and wear for the next couple of weeks every Sunday when you come in. Um, we also have the prayer challenge booklet. What you do is we chose um, 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and 15, if you like, um, for our emphasis on prayer as a unified body. And what we decided to do is that at 7.14 a.m. or 7.14 p.m., set your watches, your smartphones, your alarm clocks for that time, and then when the alarm goes off or you see your bracelet at that time, then you pray. We pray in unison together at that very time. Now, what's crazy is we've been praying and texting in that we pray during those times. We've had over 1,500 prayers in two weeks. Now, that's just the people texting in. I know some of you aren't texting like Pastor Howard isn't. Um, so statistically, we're probably, good guesstimation, around 3,000 prayers. That's pretty amazing. Um, if you just think about it for a minute, those prayers are going up as an incense to the Lord. It's an amazing thing. He takes pleasure in you praying. Now we're all praying at that one time. So when you pray, you send your text in. Now I have to admit, a couple of times I sent mine, I think, what was it, Gabe, 3.15 a.m.? Was it? I sent mine in. It doesn't matter when you send it in. That's the time we would like you to do. I know uh, our elder Edwin, he sends his in later in the evening because uh, he's already at work at 714, already hitting it hard. So send that in. You know what? You can also put in a sentence or two in there if you'd like. We'd really like to hear from you. I got up this morning at 714, and I got to, I got to uh, face to face with the Lord today, and it was a blessing. One of the things that we um, want to let you know about is uh, one of the testimonies that came out of this. Um, Ron Hughes, I wasn't going to say his name, but Ron Hughes said, told the pastor that he usually does his praying in evening time because his job is so stressful. He works for Valley. <laughs> that he, when he gets home, he has to pray. But what he decided to do during the 714 challenge was at 714 a.m., he was decided to pray. He says... He comes in to work with less anxiety, I've noticed. Um, he's come less grumpy, other people have noticed. Um, and he just comes with an expectation of what God will do during that, during that time, during that day. So we'd love for you guys to join us, get a t-shirt, get a wristband, set your alarm clocks, get a prayer booklet that Pastor Larry put together for us, and um, join us during that concentrated prayer. Have you guys been praying for rain? Wow. We've been getting some, so keep praying. Keep, keep praying. Um, this morning, oh, I would like to tell you Psalm 5 and Psalm 119 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. Man, it's so amazing to get in the scripture for a minute and then lift up your exaltations and prayers before the Lord. Today, what we'd like to do is what we did two weeks ago with Pastor Howard is I'm going to give an exhortation out of Second uh, Chronicles chapter 6 and 7. The main verse is going to be on chapters, uh, verses 2, Second Chronicles uh, 7, 14, and 15. But what I'd like to do is introduce why the Lord gave that response. 7, 14, and 15 is the Lord's response to a prayer. So after I do that, I'm going to spend a few minutes on that. And after I do that, we're going to go in unison through the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. We're going to have you pray adoration. We're going to have um, one of our children come up and read that scripture. And one of our adults will pray that prayer, pray that scripture. Then we'll go through confession, thanksgiving, and supplication in unison as a body, as a practice, and exercise together. And that's an example of doing it live, what's been going on during the week uh, at 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. What I'd like to do is, like I said, start with Solomon's 
um, prayer. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I'd like to touch on parts of his, of his prayer. And that can be found in chapter 6. Our main focus is going to be on 2 Chronicles 2, or 7, 14, and 15. In this prayer that God responds to, Solomon um, is dedicating the temple. Now, what we, we understand today, what uh, the New Testament gives us examples of, is that there was a physical temple built during the Old Testament times. But when Christ came, he gave us his Holy Spirit. He sealed us with his spirit, and he calls us his people. He calls us the church. We are the body of Christ. So yes, you can be at home and worship Christ, but you come together as the church at one stone on top of another being built up for his magnificent temple. So when we come together in our corporate worship, we are the church here today. Now Solomon, it's amazing. During this dedication of the temple, he put up tens of thousands of cattle, livestock, sheep, and goats. Tens of thousands of them. Now these were um, thank offerings, but they were also sin offerings. You have to know that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. All of these sacrifices that were being put on that altar were symbols of that animal dying in our place, of that animal shedding this blood instead of us having to shed our blood. It was a picture of Christ coming as the Lamb of God. So while he's dedicating this temple, he has his sacrifices out there, Solomon gives a prayer. It's amazing we can pull some stuff out of here. That's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Now his main point was to praise the Lord and to dedicate the temple. So I'm going to pull out a couple of these verses. My main emphasis will be on supplication today. But let's look at adoration. When Solomon started to pray, he lifted up his hands towards heaven. And he said, in adoration to God and praise of God, he said, No God like you lives in heaven or on earth. There's no God like our God. He is a God who keeps his covenant of love. He said, you are a God who keeps your covenant of love. He's praising God. He's giving adoration. And he's saying, there is no idol. There is no angel. There is nothing else that compares to you, oh God. You have kept your promises. Isn't that an amazing thought? Promises. He keeps his promises. How many times have I broken a promise? Have you broken a promise? Has somebody else broken a promise that has totally disappointed you? We serve a God who keeps his covenant of love with his people and he keeps his promises towards you. So Solomon is in worship and praise and lifting his hands up. Now there's only one spot in here where he has a, a, a confession of sin. If you want a, a communal confession of sin, you can look at Daniel chapter 9. But in this, in this passage, uh, Solomon says, there is no one that does not sin. He's in his prayer. He's interceding for the people. He's interceding for those there that day. And he's saying, there's no one here that does not sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of relieved by that. Sin is a destructive thing, and I hate it. And I just, I, I hate it, but there's a relief to know that I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that's failed my Lord. I'm not the only one that's failed my Savior. I'm not the only one that has sinned. There is no one without sin. Everyone has sinned, and Solomon is making that confession right there. It's an amazing thought that we're in the same boat together, but we have a Savior that rescues us from our sins. He also takes the time and he gives thanksgiving. And he says, you, oh God, have delivered us from slavery. You have delivered us from Egypt and you have established us as a people. You have given us a nation. You've established us as a nation and you've given us this wonderful temple to serve. He's praising God and thanking him that they are a nation. Isn't it amazing to be called by God's name? 
What does it compare to? What does it compare even today to be a nation? They, they were the same ethnicity. I don't think we're all the same ethnicity, are we? <laughs> Before the Lord, there's no Jew or Gentile, right? You can compare it to your own family, maybe. I like to compare it to football. Football's a family. I don't know how many people out there have gotten a chance to play football, but football is a family. Shania's uh, team, her school is called the Wolf Pack. They have all kinds of sayings about the Wolf Pack staying together. It's a family. We are coming together even today, us, as a temple of the Lord, as the church of Christ, we are coming together in his name as a family. We're the Wolf Pack together. Solomon's giving God thanks. Pastor uses a verse that says um, he takes the lonely and sets them with family. I identify with that verse. He's made you a people. He's called you by his name. Now I'd like to get to the supplication part of, of Solomon's prayer. In the supplication, he actually makes 24 requests. In this, in this short little section, he makes 24 requests of the Lord. I'm only going to touch on a couple of them. He says, hear from heaven your dwelling place. So Solomon is saying, this temple is only where you touch down. This temple is only a place that you will visit every once in a while. But we know, we realize that we admit that you, O oh Lord, are in heaven. The earth cannot contain you. How can this temple contain you? You are a God in heaven in your dwelling place, and he is calling him and asking him to hear their prayers today. He's saying, Lord, take action on behalf of your people. He says, Lord, please. He pleads with the Lord and says, hear our pleas for mercy, hear our cries, and hear our supplications. Sometimes... We come to church dressed up real nice. My wife let me wear a t-shirt and jeans today. We, we, we come to church just all prim and proper and put together. When down inside we have great agonies. We have desires for help. And the only place that you can truly go is to the Lord. And Solomon is saying, when your people cry out, O Lord, hear their pleas. Hear their cries and their supplications, their needs and their requests. He says, oh Lord, will your eyes please be open day and night? How many of you guys have had children and little babies around the house? Even nephews and nieces, that kind of thing? Holy smokes, I feel like I'm up all night. I feel like my eyes are open, my ears are open. When the baby's crying, your, your wife is sleeping like a log and man... You got, you got to go get that baby. You got to take care of it. Your eyes are open. Your ears are open all night for that baby. The kids, man, I got some preteens. In the middle of the night, you hear thump, thump, thump. And it's like, oh, my goodness. You feel like you're awake all night, but it's physically impossible for a human being to be awake all night. God is not asleep. Our God doesn't sleep. His eyes are on his people day and night. His ears are attentive to their prayers. Solomon, in, in, in the confession part, in the supplication part, Solomon kind of mixes it in, a, up a little bit right here. He's not pleading for uh, um, forgiveness, but he's asking the Lord, in case this happens, please forgive. He says, when your servant is guilty of sin, defeated, when he's out in the far country, when he's run from you, when he's alone and he's defeated, by his own sins, by his own circumstances, forgive them and bring them home. He's asked, when there's no rain, when your people confess your name and turn from their sins and turn from their wicked ways, when you have afflicted them, forgive. It's, it's, it's an amazing thought. When I think of sin, I think, yeah, you know, stole some bubble gum, candy bars. But in these passages, he uses the word wickedness. And 
I, I cringe at that word, wickedness. Lord, you're saying that you see my sins as wickedness before you? Oh, help me to repent, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. But he asks the Lord, he says, when your servant does sin, when they're away from you, when they're defeated, when they're downtrodden, hear their cries for, and requests for help. Forgive your servants and draw them home. Don't you have some loved ones that you want to see God draw them back home? It, it, in, in the Howard family, I, I haven't been too good at this. You can ask my kids, but it's an awesome example. When, when, when Philip gave his children a spanking over something, he'd always have them sit on his knee. And they'd talk about it and they'd hug and a lot of times they'd cry together. Solomon is saying, Lord, after you bring them home, teach them the right way to live. Teach them. He's saying, Take your servant who has sinned and been disobedient against you and sit them on your knee, Lord. Sit them on your knee, Father, and teach us. Don't just abandon us. You know what's amazing is that you are a child of God. There's nothing that will ever separate you from the love of Christ. You are his child, and he will treat you that way. Though he sends discipline, which he does, he said, you know, when, you're, when you feel the pressures of life, when you feel like um, you're being uh, disciplined, you're, you're actually falling in one of two camps. You, you may have been in sin. And the Lord is correcting you and drawing you back. The other one is, you may be in the trials of fire where the Lord wishes to refine your faith. To refine your faith better than a gold refined seven times. Gold refined seven times has to go in the pot seven times and be melted down and dross needs to be drawn off. If you are in that camp, I've been in that camp, and I'm like, Lord, what have I done wrong? Help me out. I, I don't think I'm sinning. I, I'm, I'm trying to do my Bible studies. I'm trying to pray. I'm, I'm doing my service. I'm, I'm, I'm giving. Um, what is wrong? Why am I being disciplined? And it's not. Discipline, it's instruction. It's the trials of fire that refine your faith. Solomon is saying, when you draw your people back to you, teach them your ways. He says, repay the guilty. We have a just God. Our God is just and, pay and, and has discipline and punishment for the guilty. But he also asks to establish your innocence. Um. Isaiah 54, 17, right? No weapon forged against you shall prevail, but you shall refute every tongue that accuses you, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. The Lord will establish your innocence. Sometimes you have to go through the trial, but you will be established as innocent. He says... This, this is amazing. He prayed for the foreigner among them. Now this is ethnically all 12 tribes are from the same mom and dad, the same 12 uncles. This is a, a nation, a family nation. But he's praying for the foreigner among them. In Genesis, when God talked to Abraham, he said, all the nations will be blessed by you. All of the nations will be blessed. It, he didn't know, maybe he didn't understand it quite, but we understand it, that that's Christ. Well, all the nations now can come to the Lord, but they can come to the Lord during this time. He says, when the foreigner who has heard about your mighty and great name and has come to be with your people, hear their prayers. Uphold the foreigner's cause. Have you ever been to another nation where you're the only ethnicity there? You feel like you're lost? You feel like, how do I cope with this? How do I deal with the customs? How do, how do I deal with communications? Solomon is saying, while this foreigner is among us, and he's at a disadvantage, Lord, show your mercy to him who's come for your great name and your fame. Hear his prayers and his supplications and uphold his cause. 
We serve a God who was God over all the nations. Now, in 2 Chronicles uh, 7, 14, and 15, when Solomon is done praying this prayer of dedication and, and, and praising the Lord, the Lord responds back to him in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and 15. He says, after his prayer, God's response to Solomon is, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to their prayer. What an amazing promise. What an amazing promise. See, Solomon can pray like this. He can ask these requests of God because God says he is the same yesterday, today, and he will be the same tomorrow morning when you wake up. I, I, I've, been, I've been going through a little bit of grieving and, and thinking about my father who passed away. And, and as I think of my earthly father, and I think of my heavenly father, you can't compare, they're too contrasted, they're too opposite of each other. With my own dad, the rules changed every time I saw him. What was acceptable the one time was no longer acceptable, and, and he would ridicule me and put me down. But your heavenly father does not change. Solomon could call upon him and say, these people who have done wickedly, if they turn their heads and turn from their ways and seek your face, forgive them because he's the same God. He's the same Father that will forgive your sin and draw you in and draw you back. It's, it's amazing that God loves us that much. Here's what he wants you to do. I, I don't see it as real terribly hard, but sometimes, sometimes it is. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Now, a lot of times we think of, uh, you know, that arrogant guy. He's full of pride. He needs to humble himself. True. True. But you know what? We, when we're, in a, when we're afflicted, when we're in pain, when we're in trials, when we get mad at God and we say, we're not going to serve you anymore, we're leaving you, you forsook me, I'm going to forsake you, that's pride. You also need to humble yourself. Is that a hard time? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Is it a trial? Oh, yes. But there's a time when you as God's people have to humble yourself and say, these offenses against me, these wounds and these pains against me do not compare to the love of a promise-keeping, love-covenant-keeping God who knows my name, who loves me as his child, who will never leave me nor forsake me. That is worth more to me than the pride of all of this life, than all the things that may have wounded me and caused me to to be angry at you, Lord. I, I set all of that aside and I humble myself before you. Then he says, after my people will turn back with all of their heart and their soul to God the Father, to Christ the King, if they will pray, prayer, repenting, pleading for forgiveness, uh, parts of adoration, supplications, Talking to God. Prayer is talking to God. Um, how many of you guys have ever used a telephone with a cord on it? How many of you guys have used a cell phone with no cord on it? How many of you guys have texted? How many have sent emails, faxes? Do you know that almost every time you sent it to somebody you weren't looking at? You were talking to and communicating with somebody that was farther away, that was out of sight. 
They were answering you and talking to you on the phone. They were answering your texts. They were answering your emails. Now, I know there's some guys that don't answer phone calls for three or four days or emails or texts, but sooner or later, most of them do. Sooner or later, after the eighth text in the middle of the night, they just get tired of it and they answer you. Our God is not that way. But you know what? You don't see God face to face. You don't see me face to face when you call me on a telephone, but you still communicate with me. We communicate with our God, even though uh, Paul said in Timothy, we serve an invisible God. Yes, yes, he's invisible, but what's amazing is you can see him working. You can identify where he's been and what he's doing. When his people will humble themselves and pray and seek his face, you will find him present among those people. One of the commentaries, and there's a book out that uh, helps you through prayer. It's called Face to Face. Uh, Pastor Larry's 714 Challenge book is very similar to that. The, the commentary said to get face to face, you need to do this. You get face to face with the book. You get face to face with the love letter. You get face to face with the communication right here. If I sent you a text in the middle of the night, well, in the afternoon, and I said, look for the five foot seven blonde with green eyes that leads worship at Valley Bible Church. When she wears her heels, she's taller than her husband. I, I think you'd be able to identify her when you saw her, wouldn't you? God has written down everything we need to know to see him and to identify who he is. It's right here. Get face to face with the book. He says, humble themselves and pray and seek my face. One, one of the commentaries said that seeking his face was looking for him every day in everything that you are doing. You're praying, you're communing with him, and you're saying, Lord, I want to see you at work today. I want to see you at work today in my life. I want to see you work today in my brothers' and sisters' lives. I want to see you at work. So I can identify you, so I can know you, so I can trust you and build my relationship with you. Look for him in everyday decisions you're making, everyday relationships that you have. Look for the Lord there. Seek after his face. Seek those scriptures. What he has to communicate with you will come through this book. It is alive and active. Right? Then he says, turn from your wicked ways. When I think of wickedness, I think of being bound with shackles and chains and I can't move because the wickedness has me captured and I can't get away. You can't break away from your own sin. You don't have the strength. You don't have it within you to break away from your own sins. But, this, but if you read these passages, chapter 6 and 7, it says, if you will turn your face towards the Lord, and you will plead with him and cry for help, he will forgive you and he will break the shackles and chains that hold you. It's Christ's sacrifice. It's his blood. It's his death and resurrection. It's his life that is paid to free you from those sins that keep you captive. Now this is really cool. There's four things that the Lord wanted us to do. There's four things the Lord's going to do. The Lord will take action if you humble yourselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from your wicked ways. He says, he will forgive your sins. He will forgive your wickedness. He will forgive your blood guilt. He will cleanse you and wash you, and you will no longer be guilty in his eyes. It's, when you look at Solomon's prayer, over and over again, he's saying, forgive your people. Forgive your people. Hear their cries. Hear their pleas. Forgive your people over and over again. And he's a God who doesn't change. He is Abba Father. He's your daddy. He loves you and wants that relationship with you. So he'll wash away all of those sins if we'll take the time to turn to him and repent. That's amazing. 
to think of this God who's going to wash away all of our wickedness so he can have a relationship with us because we're sealed with his Holy Spirit, because we're washed in Christ's blood, and we're his children. We're blood-bought children, and he will forgive you because you are his child. Wow. It's amazing. I have a son. You guys didn't know? I have a son, and I just felt like He's moving on to uh, moving up in grades. And I just felt like I have to make a last-ditch effort. Felt desperate last six months. I decided that I'm going to put as much pressure, as much discipline. I'm going to spend, I'm going to catch every wrong move Everything that he's not doing, I'm going to catch it, and I'm going to put the pressure of discipline and love on him like I haven't done in all of these years. Because I felt like if I didn't take that time, it was, it's been exhausting for me. It's been exhausting for my son. But I felt like if I don't make this last-ditch last effort and set him on the right path, you need to set your sons and your daughters on the right path if they're Christians or not. Help them find the right paths to go on. I was afraid that I would lose him these next couple of years. I don't want to visit my son in jail. I don't want to visit my son in prison. So I'm going to do everything within my power to set him on that right path. Hebrews chapter 12, when the Lord's discipline comes on you, do not refuse it. Do not refuse it. He's setting you on the right path to have communion with you and to have a relationship with you. He will forgive you your sins. Look at this, and he'll bless you. He'll heal your land. See, Solomon prayed, when the locusts come, when the plague comes, when defeat comes from an enemy, when the meldew comes, Forgive your people. And he said, I'll forgive them and I'll heal the land. I'll make it produce again. I'll heal your relationships. I'll heal you as a people. Your land will not survive if your people do not survive. If your relationships do not survive, your nation will not survive. He will heal you. Then look at this. He says, my eyes will be open. My eyes will be open. Pastor's favorite verse. Revelation 3.8, I know your deeds, says the Lord. I know them because his eyes have been opened towards you. Every service you've done for the Lord and nobody patted you on the back, every extra penny you've given and nobody said, yeah. Every prayer you've given in labors of love, the Lord sees it. Hebrew says, you must have faith in God as a rewarder of those who have faith in him. When you've exercised your faith in Christ, Christ draws up near to you. He knows your deeds. He knows you have little strength. He knows that already. Yet, he says, you keep my word and not deny my name, he will give you the strength and he will open doors. His ears will be attentive to the prayers of the saints. Number four, his ears will be attentive to your prayers. It's a myth. When you're praying and you feel like your prayers have bounced off the ceilings, it's a myth. It's a myth. Revelation 8.3, incredible verse, Revelation 8.3. It says that your prayers are going up with the incense from the altar, and it's a, it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Your prayers are going up before the Lord's as incense before his throne. He sees you, and his ears are attentive to you. Even though the Lord may discipline you for sin, even though he may have trials by fire for you, you're still a daughter. You're still a son. My boy will always be my son, 
You can't take him away. Nothing can take him away. If he professes faith in Christ, I will see him for eternity, and he will always be my son. You will always be our father, son, or daughter. You will be Christ's brother. You will have inheritance with Jesus Christ, our older brother. Man, it's amazing. I want to close with this, and I'll, we'll talk about um, ACTS, Acts, in just a second here. One of the most beautiful verses I know is Joel chapter 2. The Lord wants his people to repent, to repent from their wicked ways. And he says, when you repent, I will restore back to you what the locusts have eaten. He loves you that much. Even all that time you wasted over here. All the time you've been in sin or all the time you've been just, just denying him, not, not active. He says, return to me and I'll even restore to you because I love you so much. Everything that was lost. What we'd like to do is take action like Solomon did, like Pastor did two weeks ago. And we're going to pray acts we're going to have someone come up and they're going to we're going to have our our youth involved we're going to have our our children read the verse we're going to have you pray for a few minutes adoration lifting up praises to god and then we're going to have somebody close that in prayer we're going to go into some more worship and we'll work our way through the acronym acts together adoration we're going with adoration right now so if shania would come up here and Rebecca Webster, my sister, my other sister read this morning. <laughs> so I'm reading First Chronicles 29:11. Yours, Lord, is the greatest greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Is pray these words back to the Lord. Lord, yours is the greatness and the power. You are the glorious one. You are the majestic one. Pray that right now. We're going to give you about a minute and a half, 90 seconds, and then Rebecca will join, join you in that prayer. so that we can lift praise and glory and honor unto your name. We ascribe glory to your name, O God, for you are the one true God. There is no power in Asherah or Baal or Molech or Muhammad or Buddha or any other person that has been called God in our time, Father. You are the one true God, and we ascribe glory and honor to your name and your name alone. There's none like you, O Lord, who can find favor in your sight. But you, O oh God, have rescued us from the pit. You give us a firm place to stand, and so we praise your name, that you would look at us and that you would deliver us, that you would call us sons and daughters today. You, O oh God, are great. Who could hold back the seas? You said that you hold the waters in storehouses, God. What does that even mean, how big you are, how big you are? We thank you for the majesty and the splendor of your name. You are the powerful God. You deliver us from our enemies when we don't see it coming. Only you could lay 185,000 men out flat, dead in one morning when your people called on your name, oh God. Over and over and over, you rescue your people. You deliver us, and we just say thank you, thank you. We adore your name, oh God. We just praise you. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts with all that we have. In spirit and in truth, Father, we come and we just say hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness and your greatness. We adore your mighty name this morning. Amen. like to go to confession. And we're having uh, Justine read the, Jessica, <laughs> Jessica read the verse. And then our elder Edwin is going to pray.
Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Heavenly Father, we come before you today um, seeking your forgiveness for our sins, O oh Lord. Our sins are not a new thing if we look back all the way to the garden. Uh, they had turned away from you. They didn't want you in the garden, O oh Lord. And even to today, uh, many of people, we don't even want you. We want to be autonomous from you. We want to be able to be do-it-yourselfers. And so I ask you, Lord, would you forgive us of our wickedness and forgive us of our sins, O oh Lord. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, that the evil one might not create a wedge between us and you, Lord. Uh, I, we can identify with Paul when he says that uh, the things I want to do, I do not do. Uh, the things I do, those are the things I don't want to do, Lord. And I pray that you would, uh, would you help us in our weakness. Uh, we're looking for a great God that is able to help us, Lord. And uh, as uh, Israel had turned away from you, Lord, time and time again, uh, they received judgment and punishment. Lord, I pray that you wouldn't allow us to re receive punishment, Lord, that you would affect us in our hearts deeply, Father, that we would be changed, that we'd be made more like Christ. So I pray, Lord, uh, whatever we're going through, whatever uh, my brothers and sisters in this room are going through right now when we're struggling with uh, sexual sin, pornography, uh, drunkenness, um, Lord, we never talk about pride. But that's what caused the evil one to be flung out of heaven was the sin of pride. Um, Lord, I pray, would you relieve us from pride? Would you relieve us from trying to be our own gods? Would you relieve us from going to the, uh, the Dagons of today, uh, the Astropoles, the high places? Uh, Lord, may we come and bow before your feet and your feet alone. May we make you God. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. We're, we're evil people that have been changed because of the blood of Christ and because of the blood of Christ alone. Lord, I pray, change your people. Change your people. Give us a broken heart. Break our hearts as it has to do with sin, Lord. Thank you for your mighty power in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing Just As I Am.
be seated. Nehemiah 1, 10 through 11. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in delivering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. This, par- this portion of our service, we're going to uh, intercede on your behalf. Um, prayer team, would you come forward, please? I don't know what, um, what brought you here today. I know many of us have great needs. Many of us face obstacles to our faith that seem like we'll never overcome. Maybe you're carrying a burden. A burden that you just you can't afford to carry anymore. I know in a room with this many people, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain. We face things like doubt. pray for you. Let us intercede on your behalf.
you find yourself seated this morning, would you join us in praying for those on interceding on behalf of the saints? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to pray. Father, these are your servants. These are your people whom you mightily redeemed through the cross. Because of the cross, we see that you, there is nothing that you won't do to deliver us. Father, might we find favor with you this morning. Let your ear be attentive to our prayers, Lord. Would you hear the prayers of your saints this morning? We need you, Lord. We're desperate for you. As we humble ourselves this morning, we ask, Father, would you supply our needs? Not just material needs, our spiritual needs. Would you give us strength, Lord, when we have none? Would you give us encouragement when we're discouraged? Would you give us hope? seems as all hope is lost, whether it be with our finances, wayward children, whatever obstacle we face, let us have the faith of Nehemiah, who says, I know my God will hear me. I will come before the Lord because I know he will hear my prayer, and I know he will deliver me. Lord, we'll, we'll measure your power by the cross, and your willingness do so by the suffering of your son. And we know by the resurrection that you can do all things. And the things that we face are minimal. Increase our faith. In Jesus' name. Wealth and honor come from you. You are ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. You, whom David called the God of Israel, we get to call our Father. You are more than the God of Israel. You are the God of the universe. 
and you pour out riches on those you choose. And oh, how I thank you for the riches that you've poured out on me personally, the riches you've poured out on this local assembly, the riches you've poured out on this country, the riches you poured into this world when you sent your son. You sent your son to pay a price we couldn't pay. You sent your son to bring us salvation. And oh, so much more that came with that salvation. We thank you that you pour out honor on those you choose. We thank you that the power, you have unlimited power. There is nothing that happens in this world that doesn't originate with you. You initiate. You are a God of reconciliation. Oh, we thank you for reconciliation. We thank you that we could be reconciled to you, not through anything we did, but through your son. We thank you that we can lift our voices to you in praise and thanksgiving, because you gave us life. You gave us breath. You allowed me to wake up this morning. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your goodness, because we know that nothing good comes to us except from you. And oh, we thank you that you give us the opportunity to, to praise you. You said that we should be witnesses. We thank you for the privilege of being your witness. Oh, we thank you for the faith that you've given us. The faith that allows us that to act in obedience to your call that we couldn't do this without you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that enables us to live the life that Christ wants us to live. We thank you. We thank you that you, the God of the universe, chose to reach down, to pick us up, to clean us up, and then give us the opportunity to represent you. We thank you for the opportunity to be involved in in the work that you want done, Lord. That you could accomplish your purposes without us. That you've chosen to give us the opportunity to, to labor in your vineyards. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for the men and women who went before us. The men and women who've uh, left a legacy, a testimony that we get to follow that we get to follow them in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for this local assembly where we get to exercise the gifts that you've given us to build one another up, to minister to one another, to encourage one another. We thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you for the future that you've given us, the, pro the, the, the purpose that you've given us. And now that we're children of God, we get to be covered by the blood of the Lamb. We get to be evaluated. We get to be seen as the righteousness of Christ while you work in us to make us look more like him. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the future that awaits us where we get to worship around your throne eternally. And oh, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you found our name in your book of life. Hallelujah. Church said, amen, huh? If the ushers will prepare for an offering, we're going to receive an offering right now. And it is my privilege to have uh, my great nephew who's going to read a passage for us. So if you will just pay attention to that real quick. You ready? First Chronicles twenty nine fourteen. But 
who am I and who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this Abram comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you today for your great gifts to us. I thank you that uh, I'm able to stand here with my great nephew and hear him read your word. And Lord, uh, we do thank you that every good gift, every good gift has come from your hand to us. And so this morning, we, we continue to worship you Thank you for this gift of prayer that you've given us, an ability to adore you, the method of staying right with you by being able to confess, the ability to give thanks to such a great God, and then to be able to come to you with our needs and know that you have an attentive ear to and then we get to worship you by giving back to you who's given us everything. Wow, Lord. Thank you for such a great plan. What an architect you are. Thank you for your great works. May you receive the offering this morning. We're going to pass bags around. And people are going to put the thing that's valuable in there. But it's you that receives it this morning. Would you receive it and do what only you can do with it? It's you that, through the giving of your people, Christ is being made known. Through the giving of your people, the people in Rwanda received shoeboxes that carried the gospel inside of them. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, the joy that we can have in giving back to such a marvelous God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's bless the name of the Lord. I bless your 